This morning, we are continuing in the theme of remembrance. We have acknowledged people that have impacted our lives in a very special way, and you have acknowledged them at this Christmas. And we do that often because we miss people that we love during the Christmas season. It's a time in our lives and when we, when we want them to be there, but we know if they've gone home to be with the Lord, they're with Jesus this Christmas season, and we're thankful for that, but we miss them. So we honor them and we remember them in a very unique way of hanging the ornaments. And in this theme of remembrance, as we remember people that have impacted us, we have to pause and remember what Christ has done for us. This morning, and then again Christmas Eve, we will celebrate what Christ has done for us uh, through the Lord's Supper, an ordinance that he gave us, a way that he gave us to say, do this in remembrance of me. It's Remembering at Christmas the reason that Christ came in the first place. It's remembering the cross, even as we approach Christmas. So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes. And this morning our text for that is 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to start reading at verse 18. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth about the meaning of the Lord's Supper. And its meaning... Uh, is anchored in the remembrance, what it is that we are supposed to remember each time we participate in the Lord's Supper. So look there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 18. Paul writes, For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. Indeed, it is necessary that there be factions among you so that those who are approved may be recognized among you. When you come together then, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for at the meal... Each one eats his own supper. So one person is hungry while another gets drunk. Don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? I do not praise you in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I passed along to you. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Apostle Paul zeroed in on a very practical aspect of the Lord's Supper when he said, I'm teaching you what was passed along to me. That is, this is the tradition, this is the heritage of every Christian. And every Christian should view the Lord's Supper the same way. And when we come together to participate in the Lord's Supper and to celebrate the Lord's Supper, we should have the same attitude, the same motivation, the same mindset about the Lord's Supper. I'm passing it along to you, he said, just as I received it. This is our heritage. This is our tradition. And in the body uh, that we read where he talked about what Jesus said about the Lord's Supper, he said, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, to 21st century American Christians, we typically think of that simply to mean every time we do this, we should remember Jesus. But there was more to it than that at the time. And we did unpack that just a bit to get a full representation of this remembrance that we're going to celebrate in just a few minutes. Remember on the night that Jesus shared this meal, the night that Paul was talking about that we see in the Gospels, that night was Jesus' last Passover meal with his apostles. And in that Passover meal, he instituted the Lord's Supper. He gave the Passover new meaning. And here's why. The Passover was celebrated by the Jews in remembrance of what God had done for them in the Exodus, in remembrance of God's redemption, 
and God's liberation from Egypt, that God saved them from Egypt. It was a symbolic representation of that night when God set them free. What Jesus is saying now, centuries later, and what he passes on to us through the Word of God, is now we we don't do this in remembrance of the Jewish Passover. We do this in remember of the Passover being fulfilled in Christ. In every way, Christ has fulfilled it. So now there is nothing to come after, no, no one else to celebrate. There is only Christ. He is the Lamb of God that was sacrificed for all people, just as the Passover Lamb was sacrificed. He, he is the one that we look to for our redemption, our liberation, our freedom from sin in Christ. Now when we do this, we do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ, God's own Son, born at Christmas, died on the cross for you and me, and God raised him from the grave. That's what we remember. So when he said, do this in remembrance of me, he was changing the meaning. He was shifting it over to himself and saying, now it applies to me. And whenever you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. Now, the Apostle Paul takes that statement and he applies it a little more widely to some teachings to the church. And for just a few minutes, I want us to look at these teachings uh, more closely. And I want us to see that uh, God means for us to always remember two specific things. Anytime we celebrate and receive the Lord's Supper, God means for us to remember two specific things. Always remember, first of all, always remember the unity of the church. The unity of the church. What motivated the Apostle Paul to write about the Lord's Supper uh, was that the Corinthian Christians were misbehaving when they would gather for worship and to celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion together. uh, They would divide themselves, uh, just as the culture did, between the haves and the have-nots. You see, in the early first century, uh, there there was no middle class in the first century. There were just the haves and the have-nots. And the haves like to hold it over the have-nots that they were have-nots. So when people came to Christ, here they are suddenly all saved the same way and they come into the church and it's pretty hard for the haves not to still hold it over the have-nots that they are have-nots. And suddenly in the same room, in the same place, for the same reason, you have people of great affluence and people who are poor. You have masters and you have slaves. You have people from every economic stratus Uh, and and status and every educational status and every particular ethnicity all crowded into the same place to worship the same Savior. But some people came for the wrong reason. They came to hold it over the others who they were. And what they would do, uh, what Paul learned they were doing in Corinth, is the haves would come and they'd have a big banquet at first. Before they celebrated the Lord's Supper, before they remembered the cross, before they remembered what Christ had done for them, they would have a big banquet uh, because they could. And, and they would snub their noses at the have-nots and they would say, look at what we can afford. We're going to have a big meal and you guys just have to wait on the side. And when we're finished, then we'll get with you and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. And Paul says, what are you doing? And Paul says, what happens when you do that is you literally despise the cross of Jesus Christ. You show contempt for the Lord's Supper. You're not celebrating it at all. Because you're still making it all about you. You're still doing what religion's done all along. You're making it all about you. And it's not about you. When you and I come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, it sings in celebration the unity of the body of Christ, the miracle of God, that human beings who outside in the culture are taught 
and told you are segregated, you are different, you have nothing to do with each other, but we come together in the church and suddenly money doesn't matter. Education doesn't matter. Status doesn't matter. Everything the world says matters doesn't matter. Race doesn't matter. Ethnicity doesn't matter. Jesus matters. We are all saved the same way. The celebration of the Lord's Supper is a striking and stark reminder that every single person needs Christ. That Christ died for every person. You are not winning. You are not out in front. You are not good enough for God out in the world. When you came to Christ, you were saved, if you were saved, because you admitted your sin. No matter what the world said about you, how good the world says you are, Christ said you need salvation. You need the cross. And when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we celebrate, we sing, we exclaim, we proclaim the fact that every human being needs Christ. And I did too. I did too. Remember the unity of the church. Shame on us at any time when we come together and we provoke disunity, when we sow dissension, when we separate ourselves. No, no, no. Because every time you take the cup and the bread, Christ reminds you and he reminds me. We are one in Christ. Secondly, every time we receive the Lord's Supper, always we remember the power of the gospel. We should be staggered by the very thing that it represents, that Christ died for us. The gospel is the good news. It's the good news that God himself sent his son, born at Bethlehem, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for you, suffered for your sins and my sins on the cross, and then God raised him gloriously from the grave, and he's alive today. That's the gospel. It's good news. It's good news that when you realize you're a sinner, God provides the power to save you. Earlier in this same letter, 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul would write to the Corinthians and those Christians in Corinth, that it's the power of God and the gospel that saves. He said, that's what I preach. I preach the gospel because it's the only thing that can save. It's the power of God. The Lord's Supper, when we celebrate it, actually illustrates the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it's mainly about Christ's death for us, but it, it also illustrates the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. You see what Paul said? On the night that he was betrayed, that illustrates that he lived an earthly life. How else could he be betrayed and arrested had he not lived 33 years on planet Earth, had he not done everything that God wanted him to do? It, it encapsulates the fact that he was fully obedient to God the Father, and he lived a sinless life. And on that night, he was betrayed and arrested so that he would die for you and for me. That's the power of the gospel. So the Lord's life is illustrated on that night that he was betrayed. Secondly, the Lord's plan is illustrated. This is what Paul talks the most about. On that night that he was betrayed, the Lord took, ble took bread, gave thanks, broke it, said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He did the same thing with the cup. He did these things to remind us of God's plan. And every time you and I receive the Lord's Supper, we remember it was God's plan all along that Christ would be born at Bethlehem, live a sinless life, die on the cross for you. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a, a last-minute opportunity that Jesus took to, to try to do the right thing. It wasn't uh, the Romans being in charge. No, this was God's plan all along. It was God's plan. And every time you take the bread and the cup 
You are celebrating God's plan. Why does it matter to celebrate that? Because his plan is based on his love for you. It's based on his grace, not on your works. It's a plan that says to you and to me, we're not good enough for God. We were sinners in need of a Savior. And his plan was to provide salvation for all who would accept it. So it's a reminder of the Lord's life. And the gospel is a reminder of the Lord's plan. It's also a reminder of the Lord's death. And that's the thing most in front of us when we take the bread and the cup. Paul said in verse 26, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, what do you do? You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This is not some religious ritual. This is not something Christians do by habit. It's a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, in our church, in most evangelical churches, we believe there are two proclamations of the gospel that God gave us symbolically. Jesus gave us both of these. One is baptism. Baptism celebrates by illustration your salvation. What you have done by trusting Christ, when you go under the water, it, it illustrates that your old life has died. Just as Christ died on the cross for you, you accept that his death is yours and your old life died. When you rise up out of the water, you rise in new life in Christ, just as Christ rose from the grave. And the Lord's Supper it illustrates his death for you and me. It illustrates what he did to make your salvation possible. That he gave himself up obediently to the Father and died on the cross for you. So every time you and I participate in the Lord's Supper, it's a proclamation of the gospel. A proclamation of the gospel. You're telling everyone what you believe about salvation and about Jesus Christ. But look at this. The fourth thing, the power of the gospel that, uh, that's illustrated here is the Lord's return. Paul said, we do this and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Think about that for a minute. Every single time the earliest Christians participated in the Lord's Supper together, they were reminding each other Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He might come back before you and I finish this worship service today. He might come back before you and I get up Christmas morning. The first coming, we celebrate Christmas morning. The second coming, we're celebrating today. Just as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are celebrating His return. Now, you might think to yourself, well, now, wait a minute. Isn't there something in the middle? We, we proclaim His death. We anticipate his return. What about his resurrection? Well, every time we celebrate his death and his return, we celebrate the resurrection. Because how could there be a return without a resurrection? So when you and I receive the Lord's Supper this morning, we anticipate what he's doing. And we proclaim and celebrate the gospel together. The gospel of Jesus Christ. You're going to proclaim it by taking these elements the Lord's Supper this morning. Now, what, what's obvious in all of that also is the Lord's Supper and receiving the elements. This is a, a distinctly Christian activity. It's a distinctly Christian activity. What you're saying is, I have accepted this for myself. I have trusted Christ for myself, and He is my Savior. So I want to go ahead and say to you, if you're in here this morning or you're at home participating with us, and you know in your heart of hearts you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, Maybe to you this is a religious activity or a religious event, but we have just learned again it, that, that's not all there is to it. It's not just a religious activity or a religious event. This is a proclamation of what you have already accepted. So you don't have to be a member of First Baptist Church to participate with us, but you do need to know 
without question that you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And if you've never done that or you have question about it, I'm going to ask you to do what's probably the bravest thing you'll do this Christmas. I'm going to ask you when, that, when, that, when the element comes by, when the deacons serve this in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to let it pass by. I'm going to ask you to acknowledge honestly to God that that's not you. You have not accepted that for yourself. But at the end of the hour, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior. And then the next time we do this, you'll be ready and you'll be excited. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor Bob, why don't you just go ahead and do that? Give me an opportunity to trust Christ and, and then I'll do that today. Well, I believe with all my heart that if I did that, that, that you probably would be sincere and, and, and not just have the motivation of having to be courageous and let the elements go by. But here's the problem. If I, if I give you a chance to do that right now and your motivation of your heart is not sincere, what if you're not really trusting Christ? What if you're just going through the motions? Then you and I both have a problem. And we're actually doing exactly what Paul just talked about. we got a motive problem. So I want you to know absolutely that you know you know and you admit in your heart you've never trusted Christ. So much so, you'll let that bread and that cup go by this morning. And when I pray with you in just a little while to give you an opportunity to trust Christ as your Savior, you know, you know, it's your time to do just that. I'm going to pray for us and enter into, uh, we'll enter into a time of sharing in the Lord's Supper. Our deacons are going to come forward while I'm praying. They're going to get ready and they're going to serve this. And, and as we've been doing uh, during the COVID era, you're going to receive uh, one element, a combination of bread and cup. Don't get excited and start peeling off the plastic just yet. Give me a chance to, to walk us through this. and We'll do this together in just a minute. Heavenly Father, God, we, lo we, we praise you and thank you, God, for this remembrance, this opportunity to proclaim again the Lord's death on our behalf, to proclaim the gospel even as we participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. Father, we thank you for that. I do pray for each of us, Father. There's one or two in this room, one or two at home, and they know in their hearts they've never trusted Christ as their Savior. Give them that courage. It's not about looking religious. It's about being honest. To let that cup and that bread go by, and at the end of the hour, God, to make that heartfelt decision to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, I also pray that during this time, while the music plays, while the elements are passed, and in the time in between, God, you would search our hearts. And that we would be quiet before you, Father, to let you speak to us. If there's anything, Father, in our hearts, anything, God, that displeases you, anything we need to confess, God, show that to us, that we would confess that to you, that we'd be clean before you this morning as we receive these elements and celebrate what Christ has done. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen.